podcast is intended for information on educational purposes only, not for the purpose of rendering medical advice. As always, information should be pulled from multiple credible sources. Cross reference wormlet your almost accurate hypothesis. Evans can support always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any question regarding a medical condition. <gasps> this is the actual PT podcast, where actual problems meet actual evidence, producing actual results. And your hosts, Troy Lind and Taylor Flocken. Hello, actual PT Nation. Top of the morning for us, but it can be any time of the day for you when you're listening to this. Right, Taylor? Absolutely. Probably top of your morning, too, if you're uh, listening to this on your commute. Commute. Uh, well, unless it's a commute home. That is true. Then it could be afternoon, but it could still be morning if they work nights. Top of the year, top of the morning to you, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nonetheless, nonetheless. Yeah. Taylor, what are we talking ankle about sprains. today? What are we talking ankle about? Ankle sprains. We're talking about ankle sprains. Oh. Yep. Uh, and okay. mostly uh, we're looking at the ones that are a little bit more um, mild in nature. You know, we're talking, well, we, we, need, we need to talk about what a sprain is to begin with. What is a sprain, Taylor? A sprain. What is it? It is a str- overstretching or tearing of a ligament, which... As a reminder about ligaments, those connect bones to bones, and they hold the bones together, so that way when the muscles go to activate, the bones don't go flying every which way. So this can only be an ankle sprain? It can't be an ankle strain, Taylor? Well, if you sprained your ankle, I would not be surprised if you strained some of the muscles uh, around it, but uh, a strain is only related to muscle, and a sprain with a p p p P is, uh, that's only with ligaments. Ah. Yeah. See, I didn't know these things, Taylor. I'm glad I now know these things, Taylor. I, you didn't know this? (laughs) (laughs) How'd you get your doctor? How'd you pass the EPT, man? (laughs) Good guesser. Good guesser. Really good guesser. Yeah. Um, why don't you, uh, well, since you just learned this for the first time, I'm sure you're, up to speed on the, the grades. Why don't you tell us the grades since you just Yes, this. yes. Yeah. So there's mild, moderate, and severe. One, two, three. You can count. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mild is a slight, which obviously we talked about this in the last ep- podcast episode or two podcast episodes ago. Yeah, we're, we're, we're rehashing old material yeah, if you're but, up to speed. But yeah, if you're if not, you're up, not to speed, up to speed, this is for you guys. Um yeah, so grade one is a slight disruption in function and a slight partial tearing. Grade two would be a massive tear. There's three massive. Three is complete. Through yeah. and through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So two is basically where you there's a lot of dysfunction, but it's not a complete tear, which means uh, that the ligament or the tendon, they're still connected. It's just that a majority of the fibers are torn. So you're still not. And, and this is the gray area we talked about last time where it's kind of, you know, it could be anywhere from like a light moderate to a heavy moderate where you're, mm. you're still not able to walk on it. But then a grade three is it's completely torn. Um, there's no connection of tissue anymore insta surgery yes yes yeah i.e surgery is usually um majority if not always recommended um mm-hmm. yeah so that's the grades tyler if you're uh, wondering oh thank you mr roy yeah. um so with 
ankle sprains, um, I think a very important fact with them is they are always, always traumatic. So it's this is not ever going to be something where you just wake up and you're like, oh, geez, my ankle kind of hurts. Wonder what from? No, you know exactly what it's from. Um, yeah. You you know you know where it happened, when it happened. Sometimes there is a pop. Sometimes there isn't. Um, and and with this, it's also a pretty typically. They're typically always what we call an inversion sprain. Um, that, that's at least that's the most common. So if you kind of like take your two feet and you just point them towards each other, that's the direction of inversion. Yeah. So the the or foot turn itself them. rolls in. Yeah, yeah. Roll your feet yes. in towards each other. So that's basically, you're it. jumping up. A lot of times it happens in basketball. Right? You're jumping up to get a rebound. You come down. You catch your foot lands on somebody else's foot. And your foot rolls in, but your ankle, if you were just to look at the ankle, it looks like it's rolling out. It's falling mm. out. Or if it's my right ankle, it's falling to the right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, yeah, the foot is uh, point, kind of pointing towards the other one when you injure it. Yep. Uh, and that's not saying that you can't go the other way. It's just, it's a lot less common. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that's to do with the ligamentous structure. Of mm -hmm. the medial side versus the lateral side, which we'll get into. Um, one little caveat I wanted to say about it always being traumatic. I, for instance, had a patient in the earth the other day that they mm -hmm. were saying, oh, I think she has a lateral ankle sprain, but she's been non-weight-bearing on her ankle for like three weeks now, four weeks. Mm. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. How? How? How did she do this? So long as she's been uh, maintaining that weight bearing she, status, for the most part, has she puts you know not perfectly, but yeah, not enough to sprain an ankle or strain an ankle. So yeah, yeah, I continue to talk to him like that makes no sense, and the MD is very adamant, very adamant. This is what it is. This is what it is. Yeah, and I just keep saying there, there, there's no trauma. How did she have a trauma unless it's just now showing itself from three weeks prior? Yeah, and come to find out, I think it was like pseudo gout. Huh. Yeah. Look at uh, that. Look at that. No trauma. Yeah. Mm. No trauma. No mega, mega no. injury. Then it can't be a sprain or a strain to the ankle. No trauma. No. Uh, no sprain. That's why. No I'm trauma. Saying. No go. That's what we say. Yeah. No trauma. No go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, wait, if did you want to go into uh, the possible highs um, and lows? Yeah, we can start there. Yeah. Oh, what were you gonna say? That that now. Oh, that that. <laughs> Oh, you sound like you want to go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So ankle sprains, um, they can also be divided into kind of like a low, which is, I think that's the one that most people yeah. think of, you know, you roll, sure. you, you roll your ankle, right? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's kind of the classic and by when we say low, we just kind of mean like it's more, uh, it's closer to the ground basically, or yeah, the, it's, like it's the structures you're damaging. Yeah. It's like the bottom of the malleolus or bottom of the and that 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 bump or that where, that ankle bone that's yeah it's a, where the leg the bones side. meet the feet bones is basically what we're talking yeah about. yeah we're, we're talking about damage there and that one is if you had to pick one that's the one you want yeah um that one is a little bit milder um easier to come back from yeah and then there are the high ankle sprains yeah those are no bueno well they're all no bueno but this is especially no yeah, um, mode of injury for them, it's so the foot is either at neutral, meaning just kind of like you know, normal angle, or it's bent up, so like your foot is like pointed up. 
And while in that position, it either rolls in or it rolls out. It could go either way. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens here is it starts to damage um, some of the structures surrounding you know, the two long bones of your calf, your uh, tibia and your fibula. Um, the two ligaments we're looking at there are the anterior and posterior tibiofibular ligaments. Yes, and this is the syndesmosis joint for those of you that know. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, the syndesmosis joint. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically we explain that a lot of times as like a wrench over a screw mm -hmm. is one way to say it. So it has like kind of two, it's more of a block than mm -hmm. a rounded edges like most joints are. And it has the two bones that come over top of it. And then basically what Taylor's saying is you don't injure the lower portion of the joint because when it's in dorsiflexion or the foot is pointed up, it is more stable in that area. Mm -hmm. But then all the strain is then on the structures providing support there, mm -hmm. which is providing support to the tibia, the fibula, and the talus on it. Exactly what I was saying. Yeah. That's for the med people out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there, more frequently there is damage to those ligaments, but in highly severe cases, you can also disrupt the interosseous membrane yes. of the tibia and fibula. And I mean, to describe that, I mean, it's, it's literally just a really, really thick thing of connective tissue that holds yeah. the tibia and fibula together. And I'm, that really, they allows the two bones to play off each other with dispersion of force whenever you're walking, running, and prevents them uh, from just kind of like falling apart. It allows all the muscles to kind of pull and be stable and stuff. Yeah, it's like a thick mesh. It's almost like, mm -hmm. it's almost like, a big thing of duct tape the whole way down, and then you can think of the small ligaments as maybe little like strings of duct tape or little pieces. Like little, it's the interosseous membrane is thick, and it's yeah. really what does a lot of the connection between the two bones mm -hmm. with regards to yeah, like you said, them not falling apart or falling away from one another. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so in terms of like uh, severity, the high ankle sprains, they normally take quite a bit longer to fully recover from, especially if there's any damage to the interosseous membrane. And if you do enough damage where you tear it significantly enough to where you need surgery, I mean, you're probably looking at maybe about a year's worth of rehab before things yeah, are normal, quote unquote, normal. quote unquote, normal, you know, as good as they were prior to it. Yeah. And so, a lot of, uh, Surgeons and MDs will just straight up tell people that it's you'd almost prefer to just break your ankle. You just prefer to break mm -hmm. your tibia, get a tib plateau fracture, a tib oh, fib yeah. fracture, because there's so much less blood supply to the interosseous membrane mm -hmm. to some of these structures like the ligaments and the tendons. So yeah, honestly, they prefer because you know it's just a six to eight week heal for the tibia to heal itself. Oh yeah, um, bone yeah, know, on average. But bone to bone six to eight weeks but yeah yeah, yeah interosseous you're looking at 12 15 plus depending on you know obviously how careful the person is at protecting it and mm -hmm. re-injury rate and so their on and so forth. Th their age um you know um activity levels you know all these uh different other things that affect healing yeah and i know a lot of i mean it happens you see it a lot of time in you know football you hear about the high ankle sprain all the time and you know i know when i was younger and before i you know became educated 
Um, mm. I didn't understand the difference between them, but you'd hear about how much longer it's out. And a lot of times in sports, the re-aggravation rate is just so high on things like that. Well, mm-hmm. in, in ankle sprains in general, you know, it's kind of like the yeah. hamstring where it sticks with the all season if you yeah. don't let it heal. But the mm. high ankle sprain is even worse because, like we said, it's poor healing. So it's very easy to re-injure. Especially when you're in that gray area we talked about in that grade two, one to two, mm. where it's kind of yeah. like, I can do some stuff, but it hurts really bad, but I can still do it. Right, I'm not right. losing a lot of function. I can get back on the field and I'm not, I'm not, I'll just brace it up really good and mm-hmm. pray nothing happens, but then it, it just lingers with you for a long, long time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's uh, probably one of the biggest problems people run into with ankle sprains is that when you have one, it is a very high rate of reoccurrence. Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of get a little bit more into that a little later on when we start talking about the rehab from an ankle sprain mm-hmm. and also prehab or uh, prevention. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll kind of dive deeper into that. Um, I'd like that. I'd like if we did that too. Okay, we will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, ankle sprains themselves and, you know, especially like, you know, that high ankle sprain, there's a whole bunch of force going through the foot. And it's actually incredible how much these ligaments can handle. Um, it really is. But because they can handle so much whenever one of these things do happen, there's also a pretty frequently there's a high rate of like other structures being damaged too, whether, as we mentioned earlier, muscles being strained or you could even have um, like fractures uh, to the bones. Yeah. And so part of with that, uh, one of the things that we'll do in the clinic, if for if we happen to be the first person that the uh, patient sees for an ankle sprain, which usually usually most people go to the ED, but if, if they do come to us and the people in the ED, the emergency department, they actually use these rules too. That is our Ottawa ankle rules or Ottawa. I, I mispronounced that. Ottawa, I think. Ottawa, yeah. 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 yeah uh, the, 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 the Canadian city, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are those? What are they? Well, they're kind of like what a. They? They're kind of like a, a series of uh, prediction rules of saying, you know, if a person has any of these things, they probably they have a higher than normal chance of having a fracture. So we need to give them an X-ray or some type of imaging to rule that out. Uh, and the rules are just kind of just running over them really quickly. Uh, tenderness over um, about six centimeters up or around the uh, uh, medial and lateral malleoli or those ankle bones like there on the sides there. Um, there's also the big it, bumps on the side of the yeah, those guys. Um, also, tenderness over the navicular or base of the fifth metatarsal. And then there's also kind of like the more functional part of the rules. Um, inability to bear weight at the time of injury. If you're unable to put weight on it because it hurts too bad, you're, you're going to need some imaging. Mm-hmm. Or if you are unable to take four steps in you, whenever you are in the emergency department, yeah, that's also a sign that they're they're just gonna err on the safe side and uh, yeah, and give a quick little X ray. And it these rules are more sensitive, so they're meant to try and pick up the greatest number of people possible who may have a fracture. Um, so it's not like guaranteed that you have a fracture if you can't do that. So don't be freaking out if uh, you uh, roll your ankle, but it does put you at a higher risk of it. Yeah, and I also like to add in there just to yeah from my own clinical side of things. If you're limping a month or two months out, you should probably get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe. Maybe. Just sleep it off another another week or month yeah. or three, and you, yeah, it should be fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have like yeah. a lot of, you know, working in the hospital, you have random nurses or people come up to you. Oh, I did something into my ankle while, you know, hiking or skiing or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, like, what's wrong with it? Like, oh, like while I'm watching them limp, I'm like, oh, it must have just happened, you know, the other day or over the weekend or something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I did it two months ago, and I've been having to wear an air cast to keep, just be able to walk. I'm like, you should probably get imaging. <laughs> that's a good sign for imaging. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. need any special test to yeah. tell you. You need to get imaging. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean the the I mean the foot and ankle is kind of fun is funky. I mean you can have a you know fracture in certain spots and you can actually bear weight and you can walk. It's, yeah. Yeah, but that's not always the best thing for healing. So all yeah. the more reason to get imaging. Yeah, and it yeah. is kind of tough because you know, when people ask about, you know, cutting down costs like triage, you know, like imaging doesn't always change the plan of care, right? Especially in something yeah. like this, where it's like, if you were to get, you know, before we hopped on, we were talking about getting an MRI versus a uh, x-ray. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like part of it is where it's like, well, if you got an MRI versus an x-ray, the x-ray is not going to show it. If it's just structural damage to muscle, it's not going to show it, right? So the no. bones are fine. So then you get your MRI and you see that you have a tear to the, I don't know, the ATFL or something. It doesn't, does it really change that much? I don't know if it really changes that much for you. The only yeah. difference would be if you knew you needed to get it surgically repaired. If it was completely yeah. torn and you needed to reattach it. Outside of that, I think if it was all just the grade two that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would change a whole lot in your plan of care. But yeah, it's always good to know, right? Better safe than sorry, especially if you're trying to rehab this thing. Yeah. It doesn't get better, and it just feels unstable. And you come to find out months later that your oh, ligament's shoot. completely ruptured. Like, yeah, no wonder it doesn't feel st- stable because you don't have a ligament. Exactly, a lagament, lagament, lag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, um, I think that was uh, kind of the uh, the main stuff with uh, some of the. What about the ankle sprain? Uh, should we uh, jump on into the prehab rehab? Um, I wanted stuff? to add one more oh. thing. Actually, oh, you did. This is, the Taylor just doesn't listen to me ever, guys. I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> with regards for the lateral versus medial, I just wanted to give a quick rundown for the muscles because oh. there's so much going on in the ankle. A lot of people in the ankle and the foot, you know, people yeah. get lost in the sauce a lot because there's so there's oh. like a, the midfoot. The hind foot, the forefoot, each of them have different mm-hmm. bones, each of them have different ligaments, each of them have different insertion points of muscles. Yeah. And that doesn't yeah. even break down the anterior compartment, posterior compartment, lateral compartments. And I, we're not going to get into all that because that's a full uh, anatomy lesson for the day. But Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, uh, everyone open up your anatomy books <laughs> oh, or just Google image a picture of the ankle if you want to follow along. If yeah. You, if, if, if you don't, then uh, that is what we think recommend. good for you. So just a quick, um, so for lateral ankle sprains, so what we call inversion sprains, the most commonly injured uh, ligament is the anterior talofibular ligament or ATFL. And a lot of times in the ankle and in the foot, all you have to do is just know what the name is because it'll tell you what it's coming from and going to. So talofibular ligament tells you it's going from the talus to the fibula. And if there's an anterior and it's, one, it's they, on the front. Yeah, if there's an anterior one, there's a posterior one too. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other <laughs> structures that can be uh, injured in that one as well. I mean, if you just think about all the structures on the outside of the ankle that are trying mm-hmm. to add stability. Um, but the 
muscles on the outside that you have to also consider because as Taylor said, if there's enough force to cause trauma to the bone, mm-hmm. like a fracture, there's probably going to be enough force to cause damage to ligaments or tendons. So these are also the muscles you need to look out for, which are the peroneus longus, peroneus brevis, and peroneus tertius. So these are just the three muscles that lie on the lateral or outside of the leg or the lower leg or the outside of the calf. So it's basically what allows you to take your foot and point it out and up, basically. Eversion and dorsiflexion. One of them does uh, plantar flexion too. That does yeah, yeah, I yeah. It's the longest because it? it reaches it, all the way around. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, that's uh, the outside or the lateral ankle sprains. The medial, which is the less common ankle sprain, you're looking at, which is an eversion ankle sprain. Um, you're looking at most of the time if the, if this occurs, there's going to be damage to the deltoid ligament, which is uh, made up of three other ligaments underneath it. But the reason it occurs so less because it's it's a very very large uh, structure. It's, 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 structure. It's like a fan, honestly. Yeah, it, yeah. it looks like a fan. Yeah, it kind of spreads out over almost the entire middle aspect or medial mm-hmm. inside aspect of the foot, mm-hmm. um, and provides a lot of structural support. Um, and then the three muscles uh, and tendons that kind of run in the the left or the the inside of the foot. So if it's your right foot. It's looking at the left side of it, so the inside, the medial portion, is the um, tibialis posterior, the flexor digitorum longus, and flexor hallucis longus. So you're just looking at some of the flexors of the foot um, that point your foot down, in other words. Mm -hmm. Um, And as Taylor said, these are probably also going to be affected, even if it's just from all the swelling that's occurring in there. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, they can get irritated a lot. It's like trying to, you know, like it's trying to pull something through a tight hole. It's not going to run as smooth as it's supposed Mm -hmm. to. Um, So even if it's not directly uh, affected, it is going to be indirectly affected due to the swelling and inflammation that's going on. 100%. 100%. now that's all I have, Tyler. And now I have something more to add. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> the, um, this, this is more uh, fun facts about um, anatomy. And we may, we may have talked about the, you know, there are certain muscles in the body where not everyone has one, and the peroneus tertius is one of them. That's true. I don't have one, for instance. No, no, you don't. Another yeah. fun fact, I missed a question on a quiz in what was that neuro rehab yeah that's right because the question was something about what's the primary dorsiflexor and everter of the foot essentially is what the question was asking yeah and their answer the faculty's answer was peroneus tertius and i was like that's false that can't be it because like i think it's like 20 percent of the population or something like that doesn't even have it i for instance don't have one yeah yeah i wasn't born with it yeah and you know i'd be interested to see um People who don't have that one, if they also don't have the um, palmaris longus in the forearm, because it's, no, it, it occurs at about the same rate. Well, that's weird. Yeah, because I have it. Yeah. yeah, palmaris longus. But I I would also be interested to see if there's any huge difference in stability at the ankle. I would Ooh. assume that the other, it's kind of like, like in the brain, right? When you have a injury, mm-hmm. like a stroke, other portions to just make up for it. Yeah. So I would assume it'd be kind of like that where the other muscles just kind of, you have to rely on them more. So there's a stronger neural connection, stronger uh, proprioceptive input there. Yeah. But I'm, I'd just be interesting to see, you know, if there's a higher an- rate of ankle injury in people that 
don't have the pronus tertius around. Because I have mm. frequent ankle injuries, and I don't have a pronus tertius. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're asking the big questions. We should be paid more. We need to be, we should be paid <laughs> a lot more. We should be yeah. paid. We're asking the big questions. We should get paid. We should. Mo, if you're listening to this, we should be we paid. Should be paid. <laughs> <laughs> he is probably not listening and probably not a big Yeah, probably. probably if he did here, I don't think he's paying <laughs> Um And uh, you uh, said a word there that I think uh, is going to be kind of a Us. big topic paid. for the next section of this episode. Uh, proprioception. Oh, so close. Yeah. So for in terms of restoring function and trying to prevent this thing from happening again, um, one of the big things that happens with joints and the ankle is, is particularly prone to this is that with any type of trauma, you know, whether that's rolling your ankle or a surgery, for instance, because surgery is also trauma, um, the body's sense of proprioception gets really diminished. And uh, why don't you tell the people what proprioception is? It is your ability to know where your body is in space as well as being able to understand um, fine movements. So understanding Mm -hmm. when you're walking on a surface – so when you're going hiking, right, and you're looking up at how pretty the mountains are, yeah, being able your foot being able to tell when a dip in a rock or a a hole, you step into a hole, and without you having to look down and see it, you know you're stepping into a hole, mm-hmm. and you're able to make adjustments subconsciously to prevent from just destroying your ankle and putting yep. all your weight on it like you normally would. Yep. You're able to decrease weight bearing, decrease and mm-hmm. change your gait to offset and put more weight onto the other foot to prevent mm-hmm. injury. Absolutely. It, the, the thing I like to tell people is that after an injury like this, uh, the sense, it gets muddy. And so the yeah. signals that the Static. muscles and, you know, that they're going up to the brain, you know, in terms of how long they are, how short they are, you know, where the joint angle is, not only is it probably getting there a little bit slower, but the information that uh, those muscles are giving the brain, it's less detailed. And so the brain responds by, you know, the best way it can. So it it will either overshoot or undershoot. And then, I mean, this plays a role in how quickly you can make those adaptations and yeah, whether or not you roll your ankle again. And that's, yep, that's exactly what I was going to connect back to. Because I think last time I used the dial analogy, right? Like everything's just turned down on the muscle to mm-hmm. pre- prevent it from further injuring itself, to be more safe, more stable. Um, right. But that's also why re- re-injury is so high. And we talked about this in the shoulder, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just so common to have re-injury in the ankle because a lot of times you do go back. I mean, you always return mm-hmm. to sport as soon as possible, right? Yeah. I mean, and so a lot of times you're almost guaranteed that this signaling – the mm. static or whatever you want to call it or muddy, muddy signaling is going to yeah. be the same. It's still going to be muddy. It's not going to be 100% clear. Yep. So you're going to be more likely to cause that injury when you're put in the exact same spot, doing the exact same things, trying to have the exact same demand on something mm-hmm. that isn't 100%. Yeah. Uh, the good news is, though, is that this is something that it 100% can be worked on. It can be improved and it can be restored. It uh, just yeah. takes a little bit of effort and 
kind of interesting also um, is that this works not only in terms of rehabilitating a person from a ankle sprain, but also it works prophylactically or preventatively. So if you don't have a history of ankle problems and you start engaging in some proprioceptive training, um, that will uh, reduce your risk of having one. And a lot of times this is something that could be corrected or improved even much drastically or much quicker and dra- mm-hmm. more drastically than the repair of the tissue itself. Yeah. Because tissue healing constraints, they are what they are. You're not going to yeah. make a bone heal faster unless you get like something drastic, like stem cell injections or something ridiculous. The science is not there yet. Really. Exactly. Yeah. So there's really no way to improve tissue healing, but time and time again in science and in the evidence that shows us is that your nervous system is able mm. to regenerate so, so quickly and able to adapt neuroplasticity mm. so quickly. So like it's, I mean, especially, I mean, even when you think about people in the gym lifting weights, mm-hmm. tissue, muscle hypertrophy doesn't occur for uh, six to 12 weeks, depending on the individual, obviously, and how yeah. much training they've had, yada, yada. But the nervous, but you're still getting strength gains for that entire six weeks the first time you go to the gym mm-hmm. after the new year, right? And oh, that's yeah. all nervous system. That starts day one. Your mm-hmm. nervous system is adapting. Well, same thing happens after injury. You're getting, you're going to have weakness in that muscle and those tissues, um, less stability. And day one, once you start walking on again, which we're going to talk about, uh, you know, rice, rice protocols versus back to activity pro- protocols. But day one, once you start walking on it and retraining it, it's learning. It's, oh yeah, it's getting better day one compared to that tissue. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be the same no matter. It's going to be the same mm-hmm. uh, healing constraints no matter what. Yeah, and you know this kind of this retraining of the nervous system, the brain, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's one of the things that I think humans in general are maybe best at or like really yeah. really good at. It's yeah. it's incredible how quickly those changes can be made. And it, don't get me wrong, it, it can be frustrating the process because just like you know, why in the world can't I balance on my foot right now? And so the first couple of times it's frustrating, but it's incredible how quickly those gains can be made from like literally from uh, treatment session to treatment session in the same week. Well, and you have to remember the size of the homunculus, Taylor, the portion of the homunculus that's Mm -hmm. dictated to the foot. So the people, I'm not going to get real into the weeds on this because that's for another podcast, but uh, the homunculus is basically a map in our brain Mm -hmm. of... Um, basically the sensory and proprioceptive uh, understanding map of our body. It's like, it's, it's like how much you feel, I guess, or like, like yeah. how um, heavily it's weighted in the brain. Like how much does the brain pay attention to that specific part? Yeah, that specific body part. Yes. So if you Google it, it has large, if you just Google homunculus, mm-hmm. you'll see that like the hands and the feet are, are huge on this person yeah while the arm like the forearms or for instance are small because yeah. there's so much more it's weighed so much more it puts so much more emphasis mm-hmm. on the sensory aspect of these portions that's why your hands have such good mm-hmm. uh, dexterity and like really mm-hmm. good text uh, tact- tactile and uh, um, patterning like it has very good mm-hmm. organization of movement yeah. compared to your knee where you can't, I mean, you get hit in the knee and you can't tell if it's, you know, oh, yeah. you can't feel specific things like you can on your fingertips. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I tell people all the time who've had like total knee replacement and, you know, where 
we're at the point where we can start, you know, kind of uh, massaging the scar a little bit and everything. And, and for those of you who've never seen a scar from that, it's, it's a pretty big guy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like 50-50. You know, some people say they can feel a little bit. Some people say they don't. And it's kind of a coin toss as to whether or not, you know, that feeling comes back. But at the same time, you don't really need feeling there um, no. or, or like sen- or sensation there of like the skin. Yeah. You, you don't really need that functionally. Well, so it's, Yeah. And then compare that to your feet, right? Like you, oh, like you, you need. You see people with uh, uh, diabetic neuropathy in their feet and it's just. Mm-hmm. They don't even, they don't even know that they've uh, stepped on like a nail or something. Yeah. Like it, they can mm-hmm. be, yeah, they, yeah, there's stories of. People walking in the emergency room being like, I don't know, my foot's just been kind of achy lately. And then they take off the shoe and they find a nail, like an infected hugely wound infected. with a nail in there. Or like, you know, yeah. uh, or like some stick or something because they just mm-hmm. didn't feel it. So, um, but anyways, the point we say that is because it's just such a hugely uh, important part of the body. Especially if you just look mm-hmm. at the homunculus, the, yeah. the, the amount of nerves proprioception and input that the body relies on mm. from the feet is huge for basically all functioning mm-hmm. especially in sport oh huge and, and i guess like um kind of almost switching gears but like in terms of like actually like working on this um it's like a lot you know early on it's a lot of just balance training stand on a leg yeah. Move, uh, move the other leg or wiggle the other leg around while you're doing that. Um, and then you start getting into more and more advanced stuff. Have them try doing some of these things on unstable surfaces. And then, you, I mean, you can go all the way up to really high level to where there's high impact on unstable surfaces. Um, or, you know, like a triple hop and sticking the landing um, on the third hop, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's return to sport, right? So if you yeah. have a professional football player... Your graded activity needs to end with him uh, sprinting 25 miles per hour one way, cutting as quickly and as sharply as he can and going the opposite direction as absolutely back to 25 miles per hour as possible. Yeah. While possibly getting hit in between. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just very huge demands on something. So your your return to sport or your rehab is going to look like that following where it's, like mm-hmm. you said, you start really simple, whatever they can tolerate, really. Mm-hmm. And then graded increase to whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's swimming or what. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, so proprioception is like the, I think the one cornerstone of the rehab process in terms of prevention of future sprains. The other cornerstone is restoration of range of motion, um, particularly with dorsiflexion, which that's just pointing your foot up. If you do not get that back, your, uh, your rate of uh, reoccurrence is uh, very high. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. especially because you're just if you're limiting you, the range of motion that your ankle can move through, especially yeah. compared to the other one, right? I mean, yeah, it's all relative. But if you normally used to have sixty degrees or something, and you have forty now, I mean, that extra twenty degrees doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it in the grand scheme of things, it's huge when you're we're talking about these advanced activities, mm-hmm. or even something as simple as going downstairs. You need a bunch of dorsiflexion, for instance. Yeah. It- the I think the other part of that too. You think so? No, I don't. I don't think <laughs> I. I completely lost my train of thought. That is so <laughs> embarrassing. Oh, I am embarrassed. You're embarrassing me in front of my friends, Taylor. Friend. No, they're it's, my friends. Yeah, it's it's just it's just, it's just the one person yeah, listening. Yeah, Mo's to the only. Mo is our yeah. the only <laughs> <Yeah>. friend. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. I lost my train of thought on that one. I don't okay. know where I was going. Okay, well, I have a um, randomized control trial that I found online that I wanted to discuss real quick. Is it okay if I do that while you somehow <laughs> compose yourself in front of my friends? <laughs> friend. You only have one friend. Fourth listener? Yeah. Um, so basically, this is the discussion part. So it says, this randomized control trial showed that an accelerated functional treatment incorporating therapeutic exercises during the first week after ankle sprain produced significant improvements to, to short-term ankle function compared to standard treatment. Uh, the exercise group had greater weight-bearing mobilization at one week, but then it says that both groups had good ankle function at 16-week follow-up, and then there was just four re-injuries that occurred, and mm. two occurred in, one, in the control group and two occurred in the exercise group. Um, so it says ankle sprains are often regarded as minor injuries, but they cause short-term immobility and loss of function with a risk of long-term problems and re-injury. Uh, anecdote-based treatment may be one reason for poor prognosis. Mm. So basically there's a graph here, and it, it just shows that, uh, as I just stated, the exercise group. So basically the control group, or what this called the standard group, they all they did was educate the patients on RICE. Rest, ice, compression, um, elevation, elevation. Yeah, that's what the other one is. Mm. And so basically, they just said, you know, th and this was like this was standard practice. I'd say when we were in high school, probably maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely middle school for sure. But like, yeah. I mean, not that long ago, maybe ten years ago, this was the standard practice. You have an mm. ankle injury, an ankle sprain, you. You rice throw it. ice on it. You rice it. You throw ice on it. You stick it in rice. Stick it in rice for 24 <laughs> hours. And, no, I think um, that's your phone. And No, no, no it, it's my foot. It's, my, it, it's, it's your a foot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the foot. So, yeah, you throw ice on it. You raise it up, and you just tighten it down, right? And you just leave it there, and you try not to move it. You try mm. not to walk on it for, mm. I don't know, a week, two weeks, whatever it, the use, the X standard of care was. So that's what one group did, and this, by the way, the sample size was 50, right around 50 in each group, mm. um, and it had, I can bring up the chart, it had different, most of them were uh, lateral ankle sprains, mm. there was like two medial in each, mm. um, two that f like fell from a high surface, oh. so it wasn't really a mechanism right, left, more of just a hard, yeah, yeah, just an impact, force impact, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it found that when the people that can went back to exercise or intense exercise as early as possible, one week out, started moving it right off the bat. Like we've been talking about this whole time. Um, weeks one and two showed the drastic, a drastic difference between the return to, or the return of function mm -hmm. quicker. So if to put that in, um, layman's terms, if you're a football player, a baseball player, a track runner, whatever it is, if you get an ankle sprain, you want to start moving it right off the bat. And this this mm -hmm. uh, example was their exercise protocol was 30 minutes of activity exercises with the PT once mm. a week, but then five days a week doing home exercise program, um, balance retraining, mm -hmm. and like banded exercise strengthening and mm. stuff like that. So um, – basically a home exercise program five days a week and one PT session for 30 minutes a week. So really this was all on the, the individuals for the most part. I mean, this yeah. is really, I mean, really all you're getting done in 30 minutes is progressing the home exercise program. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. And read measurements obviously, but yeah. Um, yeah. So if you want to return to sport as soon as possible, you don't want to rice it. 
No. Don't get me wrong. There's a place and a time for ice and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. overall, the thing you need to be focused most on is return to function, return to exercising, return to proprioceptive retraining. And then in the my last tidbit on this study is it, it had referenced – in the discussion, it had referenced another study, and it stated a recent systematic review – found only two small randomized controlled studies. Uh, so kind of a caveat, right? They're two small ones. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Take it with a grain of salt. But mm-hmm. um, of ankle reha- rehabilitation together with functional treatment for ankle sprain, uh, they found evidence that wobble board training, so uh, proprioceptive proprioceptive yeah. training is what we've, what we've been talking about, but you can – it's specifically called a wobble board in the PT world. Um, and a strength and balance training program initiated in the first week after sprain decreased pain and re-injury compared with control groups given advice on ice compression and elevation. So it further supported the fact that uh, your function, your pain, and your in- re-injury rates, especially early on, are going to be drastically different mm-hmm. and drastically lower than if you just rice it. Like Taylor's mm. phone or Taylor's foot. Or my foot. And, and you know, I, I think that really just kind of like kind of shoots back, you know, at a lot of older ideas behind like rehab and treatment of injuries. Typically getting back moving is going to be better. Even if it's to a minor degree, um, it's going to be a lot better than just uh, doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, you just look at um, muscle atrophy. Oh, and, yeah. And... Um, and uh, the homunculus and the return of function and the return of neuroplasticity. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that return unless you start using it. The, yeah. use, the basic principles of neuroscience and neural rehab mm-hmm. tell us one of the largest, most important things is use it or lose it. For if sure. If you're not using it, if you just have that ankle in a boot... And yep. and obviously, if it's grade three, you know, <laughs> you, or a you, fracture, it needs to be in a boot. You can't no, be doing sure. this stuff. I mean, you should be moving it passively, yeah, or what little range you can, wiggling your toes, pumping your ankle, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, yeah, if, if you're in this gray area that we always talk about, ones and twos, um, mm-hmm. grades ones and twos, I mean, you need to be moving it. It's just that yeah. simple. It it's better to err on that side than on the side of uh, not enough and. I, d- I do find it interesting that the uh, other group, the control group that only riced it, you know, they did end up catching up. But I could only imagine like long term in terms of, you know, full um, full restoration of function with like proprioception. I mean, the moving group, they I, they have to be uh, getting there quicker, I would imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the graph, it shows basically picture a graph that has a lot steeper at the beginning mm-hmm. and then kind of levels off compared yeah. to one that kind of is a slow gradual to this almost the same location and they don't have a complete they're not at the exact same spot still no. at six and this is at 16 weeks okay so at 16 weeks it shows that they're still not equal the average scores were still better for the people the mm. exercise group compared to the control group but another caveat it has is that both groups were were uh, were uh, they were studied like the the st- uh, studies were taken or data was taken on mm-hmm. their activity. So the control group was still active mm-hmm. with regards to walking on it. Like they were still mm-hmm. walking on it. They just weren't doing. So basically, it, it broke it down into the exercise group had to do like thirty minutes of intense exercise like per day 
and had drastically increased demands of walking, like steps taken, oh, um, time, okay. time spent in, in, in um, like an increased heart rate. So mm-hmm. time spent in actual activity, exercise, pro, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, whatever I'm trying to say, exercise uh, regimen. Mm-hmm. And so the other group was still active. They, they still were walking on it. They were still doing stuff with that ankle. They just weren't doing the intense exercise. Their primary thing was basically do your normal day as much as you can and then rice it. It was the standard group. So they were yeah. still walking based on whatever they were doing that day. Okay. But the exercise group was do your normal day. I want you to walk more. So they were like do more at walking and do this exercise protocol as well on top of that. Mm. So I think that's probably why they returned relatively close to 16 because this isn't immobilized. This isn't in a boot. Okay. This, isn't, this is just... Um, basically intense exercise on top of what the normal standard of care is right. at this time. Um, so I think yeah. that's why they ended up at pretty close to 16 weeks at the same spot, probably. Yeah. The, and I, I guess the one thing, uh, you, you and I talked a little bit about this, uh, right before, um, you know, the number of times I've seen like a very fresh ankle sprain, you know, within yeah. one to two weeks, it's it's incredibly infrequent, um, which only a couple of times. in my life. Yeah. The, most of the time, you know, we're seeing a person uh, four or five weeks post. So if anything, uh, yeah, if your surgeon is kind of wanting to really hold off, you know, maybe try getting into PT a little bit quicker because um, I think it'll just help you get back quicker is the big thing. Yeah, especially if you're. In athletics, right? Or maybe yeah. if you're like working uh, paycheck to paycheck, like ninety percent of us are, yeah. Um, and you can't miss much work, right? Like that just goes to show you: just bite the bullet and go to PT. Just, yeah. Um, especially if you want to return to work quicker, or if you mm-hmm. want to return to sport quicker and better. Um, yeah, you need to get into PT, or you need to at least uh, your athletic trainer, I suppose. You know, if they tried just telling you rice it, you know, set it up and put ice on it and relax. Don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. Reach out, get a second opinion, go to another athletic trainer. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I had an athletic trainer in high school that was atrocious. Mm-hmm. She was bad. She would literally just tell you, I fra- I uh, sprained my ankle a bunch of times, and every time, I had a high ankle sprain, actually, and she told Oof. me, oh, just ice it and set it up and stretch it and just leave it there for, like, a week. And I'm like, I, uh, that makes no sense. So I went and got a second opinion, and he said, let's start moving this thing. He got me a balance board. So mm. I started balance board retraining right out like next day and I came back and half the time prescribed to me. So, and that has nothing to do with me. It just has everything to do with, I just went to the right guy that told me, let's start moving this thing now. Let's start mm-hmm. doing what we can that your pain allows, that your stability allows, and let's just start mm. strengthening everything around it. Yeah. 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 No, fantastic. Um, I do. I also have a, another little study I think will kind of, Go into another aspect of the ankle sprain care that uh, maybe uh, you, the listener, is uh, thought of too, and that is in regards to bracing. Yes, yes, because mm-hmm. we had talked about this, Taylor. I, you know, growing up with football, they always talk about, well, you don't want to tape your ankles every day at football practice mm-hmm. or at, for every game because then your muscles are going to get weak yeah. and you're going to lead to increased risk of injury. So I feel like there's a lot of confusion out there of whether people should tape their ankles, brace their ankles, or if they should just go uh, fly solo and uh, try to have their ankles do the work for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's uh, this study I have here. Um, I'll uh, 
I'll read the title and the, the author here in a second. Um, but what they found was is that uh, evidence of moderate strength, which I mean, that's essentially applicable for us mm-hmm. in terms of like therapy, that external supports of any type were no more effective than controls in improving dynamic posture control in a patient with at least one ankle sprain, residual, functional, or mechanical deficit. So what this says is for people who have had at least one ankle sprain, a brace does not improve your uh, brace alone does not improve your stability. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this goes back to the idea that bracing a bracing of the ankle, it, you know, it can be absolutely a tool for prevention during like really, really high level activities. But if you're not throwing in proprioceptive training as well, it's, it's just kind of going to waste. Yep. Mm-hmm. You need to have a little bit of that, and there, I, I don't, I wasn't able to find anything specifically like what we were talking about with you know taping every day or not. My thought is is that you need to have the input. Um, so during really really high risk activities, maybe consider a little bit you know a light support if uh, you're really if you have a really strong history of ankle sprains but you have to be doing work outside the field you have to be doing balance work proprioceptive work and really kind of training that that sense yeah that's what i was going to say is uh, my takeaway from that is uh taping your ankles or bracing your ankles absolutely has a place and a time for it mm-hmm. um especially like you said if you if it's the game like if yeah. it's football for instance you're training all week for one game mm-hmm. a week so yeah, brace it and tape it on game day. I mean, that's when mm-hmm. you want to prevent injury, right? Yeah. Um, but during the week, you know, really pick and choose what you're doing because obviously you're going to be working proprioception, you're going to be working balance, all yeah. these things in practice, or you should be at least if you're in the right program. But um, <laughs> so so yeah. you know, you're still working these things. So I'm not saying don't tape your ankles at practice either, but you also have to understand that just taping and bracing isn't going to cause nearly as much of a preventative mm-hmm. at, as just training as doing doing the exercise doing yeah. the stability training i mean that's going to be your number one way to prevent injury yeah yeah no matter the setting no matter the brace you buy how expensive the brace mm-hmm. is i know we i used to have ones that we that we bought that had like metal braces on each side and oh like yeah strapped all up with the velcro all this stuff and that's all fine and dandy but at the end of the day i had a buddy that never did he wore those every single day at practice and every single game, and he never did any rehab work outside of it. And he just rolled over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. because it's not going to replace. It can't replace the, no. the the structural anatomic structures that we have in place already yeah. to prevent that from occurring. It's not going to replace your ankle. No, no, it's not. I I mean, if you don't have the stability in there, the because the brace at the end of the day, it's it's going to buy you maybe a half second, which in the world of athletics and injury prevention for an ankle, it's a lot. That, that, that's huge. Yeah. That, that's huge. It can buy you an extra half second. It can give a little bit extra support whenever it is a huge, huge force that your muscles may normally really struggle with. Yeah. But um, it's not going to, uh, yeah, it's not going to prevent those massive ones. And the other component with, with uh, bracing and taping too is that, you are essentially sacrificing mobility for stability. And so this can have an impact on your athletic performance depending on your sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all I got from this conversation, Taylor, was move your ankle. Put it in rice. Put it in rice. <laughs> I need a bigger bucket. 
Yeah. 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 Um, uh, is there anything else you want to add there, Tyler? Yes, because I actually remembered uh, what I was going to say when oh, I okay. completely embarrassed myself earlier. That, yeah. You embarrassed me as well. I don't want you to ever forget that. <laughs> yeah. It, so we were talking about range of motion, and just the little extra tidbit I was going to say is that if you ne- if, you know, if a person, they don't restore that range of motion, particularly at the ankle or any joint like in the leg, the extra, the, all the other joints are going to pick up the slack. Um, yeah. and in the case of dorsiflexion in the knee or, uh, or in the ankle, I mean dorsiflexion in the ankle, it's the knee's going to be probably one of the biggest things that's going to pick up the slack there. So your knees are probably going to be uh, barking at you after a while. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> see it a lot of time in, like we did our patellofemoral pain syndrome episode. Yeah, yeah. And the main treatment for PFPS is working work done at the hip or the ankle or the core. Like yeah. it's it's sometimes especially in the knee when you have something really simple with regards to structural components. It's you know, there's not much that can be done if there's no structural damage there. It's probably upstream or downstream. Yeah, fix the problems the up or down, yeah. The upper the down. The uppers and the downers, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah so um yeah that i think that was uh the one thing i just wanted to add into oh but, so you didn't seem like you were just sitting there gas uh, gri- uh gasping for, for air or reaching for straws reaching for straws Chuck? okay everybody yeah thank you for listening uh it's been a fun time we'll let you get back to your day though we'll let um, you start enjoying your day now that we're done talking <laughs> Yeah. Uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Send comments if uh, there's something you really want to hear about. Oh, comments on it. We'll uh, we'll get to it. Oh, also, um, we are going to uh, our good friend Momo is going to be creating some short snippet videos for us on our um, Insta- Instagrams and the ticks of the talks and stuff like that. Um, we're just going to be start producing and releasing those coming up soon, but he'll have little, it'll have pictures in it of some of the things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so please go look at that if you need a, a visual cue or some visual pictures of actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me personally, that's the best way to learn anyways is visually or hands-on and you can't do hands-on with staring or listening. So that's your next best option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he'll have some uh, good content coming up, and we'll uh, we'll definitely let y'all know in coming episodes when that stuff's available. Yes, yes, we will uh, upload the links to all that stuff in the show notes as we get them. So thanks again, everybody. Um, we usually ask you to always, most of the time, be classy. Stay. Be classy. classy. <laughs> <Actual>. <laughs> Actual PT name to the T nation. Nation. Wait, but is it going to be different now, or or was that it? 